Welcome to the VoxGig podcast. We talk to people in the developer community about developer relations, public speaking, and community events. For more details, visit voxgig.com slash podcast. All right, let's get started. Part of the challenge and the fun of working in developer relations is that you've got to keep up with all sorts of technology trends. My guest today talks about the convergence of machine learning and blockchain. If you can't think about how those two go together, my guest, Tariq Lewis, longtime entrepreneur, will get you up to speed. We talk about how his company, Volume.Finance, is making developer tools to bring these two worlds together. And because both of us have done so many startups, both successes and failures, we can't help but talk about the startup game and how to play it. All right, Tariq, let's get into it. Tariq, it is fabulous to have you here today on the Fireside Vox Gig podcast, and fabulous to be talking again after, oh, I don't know. A decade 10, or so. <laughs> 10, 12, 13 years, something. That's uh, right. Just full, full disclosure, this guy saved my life years ago when I was uh, unable to pay the mortgage, and I built right. a website for him. Uh, but you are doing so uh, some really interesting stuff these days, volume.finance. Uh, yeah. Let's just start. Yeah. Tell us what it is. Yeah. So. Um, Volume.finance uh, started off as a consulting firm <laughs> um, in the blockchain space. And so, um, and, and just to give you context of myself, um, I've been in blockchain since 2013. Um, and really where I found my sweet spot is just being on the cutting edge of um, new cryptography and new uh, decentralized or slash um, distributed computing. Um, that is essentially the core of all blockchain stuff. It's cryptography on one layer and then distributed computing on the next layer. And all the other stuff is just fluff. And so I'm just fascinated by distributed computing. I'm fascinated by cryptography because cryptography is, is math. And if you like math and you always fail at it in high school and college, um, cryptography gives you a chance to redeem yourself <laughs> um, because it, it requires you to be persistent and really be patient and understanding how um, you know, numbers are, you know, numbers and curves work. So Volume uh, began its life in 2021 as a consultant to um, a number of prominent venture capital firms that were looking to help their um, blockchain companies or crypto investments come to market. So my past has been in the area of marketing, uh, business development, and sales. When you met me, um, I was an enterprise salesperson in uh, natural language processing and machine learning startups. And um, love just being able to push those things into market, these complex concepts. Yeah. And um, that's what Volume did. Um, Volume is now um, the lead dev on a particular blockchain called Paloma. Um, Paloma is a blockchain that essentially lets people build applications that run on other blockchains. Uh, so you can deploy, you know, smart contracts. We call them, you know, smart contracts. But you can deploy and and coordinate smart contracts on many different chains from one chain, and that chain is Paloma. And mainly, people are using Paloma right now to build. Uh, you know, automated what we call trading apps or bots. And these bots uh, essentially execute on different chains at different times. And that complexity is now a distributed computing complexity. Uh, you have DevOps complexity. And of course, you have cryptography complexity. So because again, you know, you're essentially exchanging private keys on different chains at different times. Um, we're yeah, loving I, it. So, I mean, I have, I have the question on the, the, the kind of the dev side. So I, I you know, yeah. just... Total newbie, 
Um, but I have heard of things like solidity and that type of stuff. So is yeah. that what is that what you guys code in or what? Is, I mean, the only thing we don't code in. Let's, <laughs> yeah, we don't code yeah, let's, let's just get a let's just get a yeah, tiny bit yeah. more techie, yeah. Right? Because yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. Scratch my own yeah, no, no, so How does it all work? Um, so I'll, why don't I talk about our stack? So the yeah. stack we work in currently is uh, Golang for the protocol. So Paloma is built in, in Golang. Uh, we use Rust um, and Wasm uh, WebAssembly uh, for our smart contract language on the Paloma side, and then we write in a Pythonic language or Pythonic version or Pythonic um, interpretation of the EVM or Pythonic language for the EVM called Viper. And um, uh, if you know if you know Viper, you'll know that uh, two weeks ago there was a major Viper hack, a compiler hack on Viper in which um, certain Viper versions. Um, were missing the ability to prevent something called a reentrant bug, and somebody found that out, and a um, hundred million dollars or so, um, fifty million was lost in a day. Yay! Um, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the excitement of writing code in crypto. Um, fifty million was lost in a day. Um, much of it recovered, but um, wow. that is uh, so. Python is really also part of our stack, and um, those are our three languages of our company. Go. We do some JavaScript, of course, for front ends. Um, but what we're really excited about, what we live every day, is Go, Rust, and Python slash. Okay, Python. but I mean, you, if your code could lose fifty million dollars, right? Yeah. How do you even test that? How do you? Oh, that's the, that's the great, <laughs> great point, right? Because that's a zero day. It was the compiler's yeah, yeah. zero day fault, right? So it was. Oh, so, okay, if, blame the compiler. Yeah, blame yeah, the compiler, okay. right? Um, <laughs> and 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 Viper markets itself as a yeah. safer version of Solidity, like a less uh, riskier version of Solidity. So um, I think if you're a developer, like this is what makes this entire space exciting in that um, your code will control hundreds of millions of dollars of value um, that could be lost because of a bug. Um, and so the attitude you take towards, um, so it's like building the space shuttle, right? Like, you know, it's like you're building the space shuttle with the most advanced, newest tech, um, but a lot of times it blows up. Now, lives get lost <laughs> if we were doing this in space. Um, but because it's crypto and a lot of it is imaginary money, um, you're living in a world in which the value is really perceived. It's not really, okay. it's real, but it's, it's, it's in its weird sense invented or, or, or agreed on. And so I think for developers, one of the few places you can have the ultimate power um, to build things that will suddenly have value when two days they had no, they were worth nothing is crypto. And, and I don't think there's any, I mean, I've been in software now since I was a wee little lad um, <laughs> in high school, and I have never seen anything else where any developer in any part of the world can control such value so quickly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I okay. So the closest that comes to my mind is like high frequency trading or, or whatever, right? And I, sure, I, I just wouldn't, sure. I wouldn't, I wouldn't touch that because the stress. Sure. sure. Yeah. 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 But uh, you're the developer, right? So yeah. here's the thing: the beauty of it is that um, you don't have to be the speculator or the trader in crypto as a, to be a great dev and to be very successful. All you have to be is truly passionate about how the code works and how you can find things that don't work or things that break, right? And if you have that curiosity to build, um, I think uh, you'll find that um, there's always, you know, you don't have to take on the, oh yeah, I'm gonna be high frequency trading. And, and I'll tell you like, um, there's this new app that launched called friends.tech. I don't want to give them press because it's ridiculous. It's like a social network on, yeah a blockchain and that just okay. skyrocketed last week out of nothing. Yeah. And and when you look at the code, like literally it's written with so many bugs, things break all the time. 
but they've gotten so many people to value and 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 create and push and participate in it that um i tell people this is why i love this space it's like every day there's an opportunity for regular people to just say hey i created a thing and now uh it's blown up jpeg nfts are a great example of yeah. that right um it's an image on the internet come on let's be real so just a string of ones and zeros but people value those images but if you can help people buy and sell these images if you can help them you know put them on their different social networks suddenly you're creating value and you can create images that look really like stick men or apes yeah or, or dragons yeah the ape thing right so the i think yeah let's just let's just okay so i'm going to take it from a business perspective now right so yeah. uh what is the business model of all in finance like how do you uh, guys okay. make money or how yeah. will you make money so so we are currently making money um very lucky enough um and like most companies we started off consulting so we started doing consulting it's normal found clients um because again we wanted to make a product that we we that had a usage and had clients so um we made money uh, so there are many different ways to remember us consulting but now that we've launched or we've with the community um the Perloma blockchain has launched. Um, we are building the first apps on the chain to demonstrate to people how um, you can remote control contracts and other chains from within Perloma. And that is now generating income. Um, we just had an investor meeting last week where we said, hey, these apps are generating income and people in our community are now seeing that and they're getting excited. So we charge transaction fees when you run our remote control apps. Um, and we have about, you know, we're gonna be launching new apps this week. And next week, every week, we're just releasing a new app. And our goal is to really launch them, but also to show people what's possible um, and then go back into that consulting realm where we start doing client services, right? So now yeah. somebody says, hey, you know, I love this app that you have. It's called Momentum Trade App. Um, I'd like to do a Momentum Trade, but I have these requirements. Can you help? And so we are now, just like a regular SaaS company, we have a SaaS product. Um, we have a paper transaction product. And then now we have a client services product. So these are the three foundational revenues for hey if it's web 2 SaaS, you know we charge 300 bucks if you go to volume five it's like 300 bucks a month if you pay on a per transaction basis we you know essentially charge your transaction fee and now we're doing client services which is you hire us we will build it with you for you and then help you deploy it and then you charge whatever you want on it but we've helped you make it real okay and, and on the basis of that business model you can see why we we are talking because there's of a whole bunch of developer relations involved correct we will correct get to we will get back to that in a minute the, yep. um, so I couldn't help uh, when I heard you say that you you had started off doing machine learning and all that sort of stuff many, yeah. many years ago. Yeah. Um, you've got to have some thoughts on how mm -hmm. chain and AI. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, um, uh, if you work in blockchain, it's usually you can be risk of considered, some people might look at you and be like, you're a blockchain dev, you're bipolar, right? Like days you're very happy and days you're very sad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, very bipolar. So when I first heard about blockchain and AI, I thought, oh, this is so stupid. We're so, we, you know, the macroeconomics are going against us. So now we're just jumping on the next bandwagon. Um, and I talked to a lot of investors who were like, yeah, blockchain and AI does not work. Um, and suddenly people proved us wrong. Um, uh, uh, suddenly you had, um, you know, I, I, I forgot what was the name of the, the, the people started using generative AI, um, to generate images. So what if you could now, 
use generative AI, um, you know, like Stability AI or some other generative AI yeah. library, and generate images that make up those same NFTs that people want to buy. Um, people started doing that. That started going up and being like, oh, wow, this is cool. But then, of course, we're like, well, how many images can you buy from the AI when they're copies of others? And if everybody's using the same AI library, those images don't tend to look very different. So that was short-lived. But it showed that generative AI had a, had a thing. Um, and just uh, a few weeks ago, we started talking to some other folks who, um, um, a new team they call RSS3, should check them out. And they were like, yeah, we're like RSS feeds. I'm like, but RSS feeds is a web 2.0 thing. What are you guys talking about? And they're like, well, you know, most people aren't indexing blockchain transaction data to feed into AI models, right? So OpenAI is busy scouring the web for books and, and, and high quality content. Here is this group that's scouring blockchain transaction histories for what people are doing and adding that or, you know, adding that together with, you know, quote unquote, web 2.0 content um, and other graph content. And suddenly you're like, oh, cool. Now you can generate, this is, we're still in generative AI. You can generate new content that has a new dimension, which is this blockchain transaction data. So what did Richard Roger trade last week? And how did those trades do relative to the rest of the market? Ooh, <laughs> so no not as a prompt, right? <laughs> because of course, Richard, all your trades are public, right? So oh, yeah. since we know you're a public Ethereum address, we can ask, was he a smart guy? Did Roger did Richard really dude, make smart dude, trades I, last I, week? I knew guys who were who wanted to sell the Bitcoin in twenty twelve for three hundred bucks a pop, right? That's right. Did I buy it? No. <laughs> <laughs> I know you bought a lot, but we won't tell anybody in this show, right? Nobody knows I'm you didn't buy anything. That, I'm still looking for that sub drive, dude. I'm still looking <laughs> Put it in the trash. <laughs> Dumpster diving. So so watching and hearing generative and so but but here's the next step. Okay, so now if you have this different dimension of content that you've indexed into a, an AI model. Um, now, can you help generate, help people generate new content? And we found, oh, wow, you could possibly do that. So we're seeing generative AI using blockchain, boring public blockchain data to help enhance um, queries that are mainly open AI queries. So that's pretty cool. Um, the area yeah, of interest that, yeah. yeah, does that make sense? Does, does yeah, there's this, this, uh, like a literal gold mine of untapped source mm -hmm. data, behavioral right. data, exactly. right? Yeah, right. And especially if I could link it back to you, right? And I'm knowing that, you know, because it will say, Richard likes to trade every Wednesday. And every Wednesday, the markets usually go up by, you know, 20%. So Richard knows something about the market. He is a good indicator of market upside. So should we trade Richard's trades? Yes, copy his trades. And so suddenly now you have a copy trade model based on an AI uh, language model that is able to generate an interpretation of your transaction history relative to the market. Okay, let me, let me, let me get boring. For a minute okay yes let's go deep so uh you know a lot of, a lot of the clients that we deal with are enterprises yeah and they're kind of boring right and yeah. they might be in finance or insurance yep. or e-commerce right yeah uh and a lot of them are getting a little bit excited about machine learning they know they yep. have to do stuff in fact if you're yep. if you're doing much um enterprise software consulting this yep. year uh yep. mostly ml stuff right yeah it's awesome. Um, that's where the budgets are. Um, or, uh, you know, now, now that COVID is over and events, event tech has come back, you know, we, we event tech customers. So, yep. what does it mean? How did, the, how did the two come together with the stuff you're doing? Where and how does that, because that hasn't broken yet. But where do you think, okay. where, where will that go? 
What do you say? Where will that go? We're talking about e. So I have a boring. I have like a boring. I don't know. I've I've like a maybe I'm off market. I have like a boring uh, insurance company. I don't know. Okay. Cross blue. Okay. Yeah. Of course. Oh, blue blue Uh, cross. Very boring. Oh. Yeah. Super boring, Mm. right? Um, I sold the microservices back in the day. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They never implemented, but they love the idea. Uh, So what? Yeah. What does this mean for them? Okay, we, I'm going to give you a five-year horizon, right? Because yeah, that's how long yeah. this type of stuff takes. Yeah, I said it was boring, right? But where did oh, it, dude, <laughs> where awesome. does it end? Like, where, where, does, where is the convergence between what you're doing and and their business? Yeah. yeah. All right. So you're asking about convergence. Yeah. Okay. So what I'm going to so here's what I'm going to tell you. So um, it's it's a beautiful type of boring, but here's what's going to happen. So last week, PayPal decided to um, launch a stablecoin um, on, for the first time, a company that was not a crypto company um, that was a traditional, what we would call Web 2.0 finance company, right? Um, that was no more than 20 or 30 years old. That company created yeah. a stablecoin. Now you have to understand what happened be before that. And what is a stablecoin? It's just some software that says, you know, we'll create a cryptographic signature that says here the coin. It's an ARC twenty. They use the the oldest. They use the lamest version of Solidity that has like you know it's like they they use version two point something where Solidity is like way up to like four six yeah. some point something. But what they had done by that is that they had said, listen, we have an audience of a few hundred million people. We are going to give them access to the stablecoin. Now that stablecoin is the value of a dollar. So I'm a boring company like Blue Cross Blue Shield. What do people use me for? Well, they pay for their healthcare and they pay for their healthcare in dollars. Now, suddenly you as the insurance company, before you were like 10 degrees removed from this entire crypto space, you had nothing to do with it. You don't even want to talk to these people. But now you are literally quite possibly one degree removed from touching crypto by PayPal saying, fine, we're going to enable a stablecoin. Because what will happen on somebody on PayPal is they will receive a stablecoin payment from somebody in North Korea. <laughs> wrong, right. wrong country. Right. They will receive a payment <laughs> from somebody in America in stablecoin. And that person will withdraw those funds and pay their, their premium for the insurance yeah. with a dollar. And you as Blue Cross, you don't see these flows. You don't see these demarcations. You're a boring company. You're like, good, listen. We collect the premiums, you know, we have metrics, everything's stable, but the, you are getting closer and closer to suddenly being a crypto company. So that in five years, I would not be surprised that people are paying okay. some sort of payment. Yeah. So the treasury, right? the treasury activities in these companies need to develop a whole bunch of skills around because they need to know of what course. the stuff is doing. They need right? to know. And and yeah. and remember, Blue Cross has to know who's customers. It has to do KYC ML, just like everybody else. They gotta do the right so hedging, all this type Exactly, stuff. right? It must know. But but then PayPal might say to Blue Cross, listen, why don't we just like create a payment rail from the stablecoin straight to you guys? And then we'll settle out. And suddenly now Blue Cross is in the crypto business where they had no intention, no desire, no plan. So okay. what I'd like to say in the five years is that even if you're a boring company, it's coming. Like it's going to happen to you and you're not going okay. to. So this is, yeah, this is the classic enterprise inflection point, kind of like ML. That's right. Which is, That's just, right. I don't have a choice because. That's right. But it was, it's like web pages, right? Classic, right? Yeah. Like 1997. Like remember what web pages looked like in 1997? Yeah. Right. I mean, 
uh, Amazon launched its first web pages, you know, what bookstore in 1997, 1998. If you were a company, you weren't, you were like, ah, they're not like Blue Cross was like Amazon, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Now you could go to <laughs> today, right. you can search on, you know, Amazon for Blue Cross Blue Shield product. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, the, so, the, so the, the real answer, which I'm reading out of this, is yeah. there's waves of technology. This is yeah. one. And, yes. <laughs> you know, this, the, the, the CIOs maybe feel, CFOs even, maybe feel like they have some sort of choice about this stuff. But you know right. what? It's bigger than any company. It is bigger. And ultimately, Correct. you yeah, wake up and yeah. smell it because it's gone. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and okay. and it's it 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 is um it, very wise words you say you have to wake up and smell it, it's going to happen, and most likely you when it happens you won't know there won't be somebody waving a flag saying hey you're a crypto company, it you'll just wake up one day and be like why is there ten million dollars in our treasury or in our financial payments yeah. coming in from some crypto business, and you'd be like yeah that that happened and and, it's and why is there a new Amazon eating our lunch right correct. Correct, right? Because well, here's of course, right? So suddenly now somebody can get their healthcare payments paid out in stablecoin, but get care in Brazil or care in the Philippines, right? Suddenly now the ease of being able to get care and make scheduled payments, right, internationally, suddenly now, whoa, is my cost of care? Am I being now out competed because people can settle in dollars globally, and now get the same level of care better? So these are things. But then they were like, well, hmm, why why can't we have Blue Cross Manila? <laughs> Right. Exactly. exactly. So, do, so, does this mean? I mean, does this mean, from your perspective, and you're in this space, you know the 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 hype cycle chart, right? Correct. So have, we've Correct. gone through that. We've gone through the 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 uh, you know inflated expectations and the trough, yes. the delusion. So we're we're back. We're, we're in, we're in the we're trough. We're in kind yes, of like right this, yeah. So yeah. We're just coming yeah. out of the trough, maybe. <laughs> no, no, we're still in the trough. Oh, for we're a still while. in the trough. <laughs> we're gonna be in the trough for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but it does end. It does yes. end. It does end. Yes. Okay, that is that is like super interesting. Um, I mean, it, yeah, given your background that you've played in both spaces, uh, yeah, watch the space. That is going to be really, really interesting. Okay, let us talk about software developers. Yeah, let's talk they're about that. Part of, they're, they're a part of what you're doing. Correct. How, do you, how does volume.finance interface with software, develop, yeah. software developers? Yeah, yeah. Where does the developer yeah. relations piece come yeah. in? Yeah, no, it's great. So we host events. Um, I think we know this story. Uh, so we do host events. Um, we yeah. have been hosting a number of crypto events for developers. Um, uh, our first set of events last year, this year or last year, this year or last year, uh, we were hosting a number of events called Crypto uh, Cross Chain Coalition. So we're part. Of, we run the Cross Chain Coalition, which is a industry agnostic group of developers, marketers, and uh, people who are building in these, you know, I want to write software that talks in different chains. And we welcome all projects. And one of the things yeah. that we try to do is to use it as a way to share an advanced knowledge to devs about what's new, what's happening, because all these projects are open source. They're all launching new initiatives. Every day there's something new, and particularly in crypto, it's just nonstop new. And for devs, it's really hard to keep up because when it's just so much information, you just don't know what's useful and what to choose. And every project tries to make it very differently. They all have documentation. They have examples. They have, um, you know, Twitter spaces, lots of stuff going on. Yeah. But a dev has to decide, where do I spend my time? Because I don't have all day and I don't have all energy. Like, I need to be rewarded. Where do I get the most reward? And that's a big challenge for devs today when thinking of how to build in crypto. It's like, 
And how do you know it's not a scam? Because not everybody right. has your interest at heart as an intelligent software developer. They want to take advantage of you and they want you to build on their protocol so that they can essentially exit their liquidity um, and do so. So not everybody's good. So it's a, it's a dark forest, like we like to say in the mempool, but um, uh, we're trying to say, hey, developers, um, you know, we want to help and we want to, you know, essentially have those projects that have budget and want to say, listen, we want to really pay or put down resources to acquire, develop our attention uh, because we have quality projects. We want those people. And so that's what we've been doing. Um, and um, it's, it's tough because doing that as a, also as a software company takes a lot of energy, um, but it's, um, it has been very rewarding, but still very hard. Developers are still not sure where to put yeah. their time. So you, I mean, as it sounds like as as a as a strategic initiative, you're investing in in, in building credibility by building trust with yeah. developers. That's right. And you, I mean, you, it's, it's, what you're doing, if you go to your website, is not too different from any SaaS offering, right? You guys have sure. yep. okay and documentation, yep, yep, events, yep. all that sort of stuff. Um, and that is part of establishing the part of establishing the credibility. Um, yep. But the developers, who are they? Are they people doing startups? Are they? Oh, it's a great question. Oh, it's awesome. So, uh, I, I mean, we get all types. I mean, in this moment, so we have uh, we have something called um, our um, Python develop Python blockchain developer newsletter. So, that, um, because we're really passionate about Python developers, so to build apps on our protocols, really, what you want to have is Python skills, even before Solidity skills because um, the Python skills um, uh, are what we call most aligned to folks, you know, building on trading systems, you know, um, you really, you know, there's a lot of Python work in, you know, essentially data manipulation um, and data crunching. So we've been trying to really outreach to Python devs. Um, and um, our protocol is Go. So, um, but, you know, most of our, you know, but we're working on the goal on the goal line stack. Um, we don't have a lot of devs reaching out to us. Where we find that we have a lot of devs reaching out to us are on the Solidity and Viper side. That's the inbound where they're like, so we have outbound and inbound. And the inbound is how do I build a robot, app, you know, decentralized application that can, you know, essentially do transactions on all these chains that you guys control simultaneously. And that's where we've been getting a lot of the inbound. Um, most of the devs are, we would call, I call hobbyists. Um, they are curious. They are early adopters. Um, this is not their full-time job. They, they may be working as blockchain developers full-time, but this is something where curiosity is being stimulated and wants to know what's possible. And because okay. where we operate is on the very new, new, those are the devs that we want to talk to. If you're a curious dev and you're like, hey, I, I know Python, I would just be curious to see what you can do because it sounds like it's really awesome. Like I had a call ping from a dev today that said, you know, wow, so can you do like really one second block time transactions on different chains? And I'm like, yeah, he's like, how does that work? And yeah. so, <laughs> so how does that work, hard, right? That's he's yeah. like, that's a hard one. I, said, how yeah. it? I mean, what, what guarantees do you have? Um, and that came yesterday and I was like, whoa, here we go. And we started talking. But, you know, when they asked, well, can I build something? And we, you know, we were like, yep, we, we give our GitHubs, all our GitHubs are open um, for all the apps we're building because we just want people to fork them and copy them um so that they can see what's possible um and that's what we do next so after we we inbound we share and and our code is you know like i said rust 
Python and um, and Viper. Those are uh, the three sets of. Okay, it is, yeah, it is it is very developer oriented. I, yeah. I have another, since you're in the space, right? Another question I had was around um, developer relations activity in in blockchain because it does seem to be a kind of a vocal subset of the developer advocate community. Um, so there's, I mean, there's, 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 there's people who work in developer relations for yeah. uh, old school yeah. stuff like Mongo yeah. and things like that. Yeah, Mongo. Yeah, all, yeah, all yeah, that yeah. Sort of stuff, right? Yeah, or yeah. just traditional SaaS or whatever. Um, but there does seem to be quite a quite an active group of developer advocates specifically Correct. focused on blockchain. Correct. I, yes. I mean, is, is, uh, <laughs> am, I, am I reading more into it than there is? Or is it, no, is no, it, no. Is it's a very nice thing or what? It's a, it's a thing. It's yeah. very much a thing. Um, they're very much funded um, because a lot of investors in the blockchain space correlate developer activity with token value. So if you have a project that has gotcha. a token and you want that token price to go up or perceive that it's going up, you get a lot of developers building on you. That's why Ethereum is perceived as being the most successful blockchain in the world because there's so many developers writing on Ethereum, building tools for Ethereum, you know, making successful fortunes for themselves on Ethereum that it attracts yet more investors. And so that is the nature of crypto. That's why I said, as a developer, you're in an interesting space because um, literally it's a self-fulfilling prophecy that if more developers build, then the to more people want token value because the developers will build apps that people need the token. And then more people buy the token, price goes up, it attracts more developers. So if that's a positive feedback loop, all you have to do as a developer is find a project that has lots of developers um, and that's getting and growing. These developers are attracting users that you will find yourself very easily able to ride a wave. And um, which is be, why, okay, which is why developer relations matters. Okay. Developer relations is key. Got it. Yeah. Okay. That's, but, but it's always, even a, though that's the model, it doesn't always work out that way. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's always a behavioral <laughs> economics explanation. There always is. Correct, correct, correct. Speaking of economics, uh, final, final question or final section. Um, yeah. So you've done a few startups. <laughs> I've done a few startups. <laughs> oh, why? 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 So you you had a successful sales career to begin with, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Is it something you you? Oh, this is a personal question, right? Is it something that you are compelled to do, or yeah, yeah? I mean, is it is it? Could you not do otherwise? Well, uh, so I'll qualify this question. If there are any venture capitalists who are listening to this podcast, I've only ever had one startup in my entire life. I have never done a lot of startups. Contrary to what Richard's saying, I, I just started a school project, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, no, that's true. I've done a lot of startups. Um, I had one investor who said, we're afraid of investing in you because we've checked your background and you've had a lot of startups. <laughs> I, said, I said, you know, failure startups is actually the, the, the rule, the norm, not yeah. the exception. Yeah. Um, so, so uh, I uh, so the question is. Uh, let me just make sure I reflect it. Are you asking, am I compelled to sell or compelled to start? Which, which is? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think the the, the heart of the matter is. Uh, yeah, a lot of people think about dipping their toes into startups or think about yeah. leaving, yeah. Uh, you know, a, a well-paid job in yeah. or something yeah. to to do startups. Uh, yeah. Should you? Is there something? Do you need to have an inherent kind of itch or craziness? Um, can you follow? Can you follow like a plan and be successful? Uh, I don't know. Maybe uh, this is getting way too no, philosophical. No, no, it's a great question. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. It it all depends. 
It all depends. Um, I would like to tell people the fastest and easiest way to become super successful in a startup, super successful. Um, and they, they used to teach us this at uh, Harvard Business School, even though I went to MIT. Um, I took courses at Harvard. And one of the key things the Harvard professors would tell us is, listen, I know you guys all want to start startups. We get it. We do it. But here is our advice. And I remember, and this was part of our class called, uh, you know, uh, startup entrepreneurship. It said, spend the first 10 years learning a technology business really well. Like if you want the fastest way to like be successful, just spend 10 years in one industry. And then after you spend those 10 years, go raise funds to launch a startup in that industry. Because after 10 years, you're an expert. It's like a PhD. Yeah. You know it really well. And you have so much credibility um, that people can will give you money because you can say, I've spent 10 years working at Facebook. I know exactly how this works. I'm going to right. start a new company based on that. And that is, the, that is like, if you want a plan that is like most likely guaranteed to work, take that plan. The reality is, who wants to spend 10 years at Facebook? Right. <laughs> Shoot me. I know. <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. who wants to spend 10 years at Blue Cross Blue Shield? Okay. You know, um, yeah. we as humans, particularly those of us who are curious, um, want to explore the world. We, we want to see what's possible. We want to flex our muscles against all that's possible. So even though he gave that advice, it fell up against dead airs because the next year everybody's starting companies. Um, so, so yeah. yeah, there is a way to do it. Um, and even that way is not guaranteed, but it's the most realistic way. But for those who wish to start, there, there's a level of curiosity that that is not easily balanced between the stability, right? Of you know, because if you yeah. spend ten years at Facebook, yeah, why why start anything? You can you can spend ten years at Facebook and be a millionaire. And then, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the the actual financial rewards are almost equivalent to a lot of startup exactly. exits. Exactly. And the other issue that I found, and this has happened to me as well, even though I'm I would describe myself as as, as a startup person, is if you do ten years in a really good gig, you get very used to the support structures. That's right. Um, I, That's I, right. I, I founded a very successful consulting company, got pretty big, a couple of hundred people. Nice. I, mean, I got used to having a PA, all that sort of stuff. Nice. Right? Um, right. And then when I, I was, I, we were talking before, I said, okay, I, I got to do a SaaS startup. If I'm, if I'm going to do it, I, I have to do it now before I get old. Um, and you know what? I, oh, I overhired. Yeah. Uh, I, right. I kind of lost the edge. I was That's super right. inefficient because That's I, right. I got comfortable. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the problem with yeah. that 10-year plan is, yeah, yeah, sure you got credibility. <laughs> right. Uh, sure you've got knowledge. Yes. But you got to lose a few pounds first, I you guess. You have to. That's yeah. right. That's right. You have to get lean. Uh, and and so and and so I will say uh that yes, you you do have to go through the grind. Like it's a job. It's a profession. I I tell people uh being a startup entrepreneur is as a profession as being a a heart surgeon. You have to do a lot of time, a lot of sleepless nights. You have to hopefully train with the best. Um, and even then, you're still not guaranteed success, right? So you're quite right. Um, yeah. You know, I, I love your description there. You get comfortable and you have to slim down. Um, and that's tough because, yeah, after 10 years, yeah. you're used to having all the future comforts. Yeah, yes. yeah. I mean, we, you know, we, 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 uh, we were doing so well at the end. Why did I leave? We were doing so well at the end. We instituted a company-wide policy of first-class air travel. 
<laughs> I like wow. I like to do startup stuff because that's why I'm asking. Is it an inch? Right? Is it an inch? Can, how can you can you possibly not help yourself? You have that to, is I. Uh, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. That is true. there. You go. Wait, was this company still alive? I need to. I need to. I need to get a job. I'd like to apply. <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, entrepreneur in residence. But it, I mean, this is this is kind of what we were talking about, right? So the the the, the thing is, if, I don't know. Maybe it's because you have to build something, and maybe that maybe like building stuff for other people is good money, but it's never it, it doesn't quite press the same buttons. I think. Oh, oh absolutely. Um, and also, I I think um, you know, you have to be comfortable with risk, right? The perception of intertemporal rewards. You know, yes. you know, can you see into the future? We can't see into the future. So how comfortable you are with unknown unknowns. And I think that is a learned thing. I don't think it's something you're born with um, unless you're an exceptional individual. Um, being able to be comfortable with, you know, will we make payroll next week? Will the client close? Um, will the market change? Will suddenly yeah. there be a virus that, you know, yeah, destroys our business, true. right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> that never happened. You know, um, yeah. it is. And, and also staying, you know, I, um, I told my team, and I, I work in our startup, and I, you know, I said to my team, um, uh, you know, you know, personal responsibility is a big deal. Um, you know, we have a launch going on, and I said, well, I'm not the CEO. You know, the product person who's engineers are running this, he's the CEO because if we do it, we're gonna be great. If he doesn't do it, we're screwed. So we call him the CEO, and he gets really angry. <laughs> like I'm not the CEO. I'm like actually, <laughs> for this week, you are. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna do um, what you say, right? Exactly. <laughs> like because yeah. yeah. this is your product, and, and that's an engineer. This wasn't a product person. This was an engineer. Well, you're, who I you're said touching. I mean, you're touching on something really interesting about startups that are successful startup journeys. Is that yeah, you maybe heard this term where some some CEOs call themselves chief bottle washer, right? And right. the the uh, you know chief toilet cleaner. And even in software development projects, I would find that as a, as a leader, um, often what I can enable the most is doing all the shitty work, the sort of Correct. boring infrastructure bit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they, yeah. the more interesting, like new code or investigating a new library yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually something that you give that to somebody more junior so they can learn yeah. and grow. Yeah. Because um, yeah. me, it's just another library. But yeah. my role to, to enable that team is to do the kind of really boring oh. config tasks. Absolutely. I love it. Because um, I can do because they're boring, but in a way, I can do them the right way. And then everybody sure. else is set up for success. Sure. Um, sure. sure. And, sure. I mean, and the same sort of stuff happens in, happens in, in, in companies as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's a strange, it's a strange life. It's a strange I mean, life. I, I'll jump in and say I am, I am head of customer support. Right. You know, that's, I mean, that's, that's I, I am like, I tell my team, I, I take these calls, so you don't have to. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Right? You know, I'm the one who will troubleshoot the most annoying questions. Did you turn on your computer? <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, because that, you know, um, yeah, they're boring. They're really dumb, um, and. I, I told my team, I will take bullets for you so that everybody can do their best work um, in the most advanced stuff. And, I, and I, I'm really passionate. I tell my team, if you, you know, no matter what happens in our company, um, and this is a rule, I, I tell everybody who I hire in my startup, even if our startup dies, um, when you leave me, you will be massively employable and oh, you will make way a, yeah. more money than you've ever made when yes. you were with me or before. And, and I've had people come back to me, you know, after many field startups like Tarek, uh, you told me this, and now I am on top 
I am like working at this big company because I had to grind through what I did with you. I am not wealthy. I tell my mom, you know, like it's really, those are my proudest moments because then I know that the startup is a journey, um, but of a journey of a shared leadership, but also um, my humility is, yeah, um, if we don't make it, my team will make it. Yeah. And um, I am really proud of all the people I've taught, including yourself, Richard, um, because they've gone on to do <laughs> massively amazing things that I'm just like, yeah. wow, Richard had a big company and he didn't call me. <laughs> like, yeah, Richard, Richard did okay. So yeah, I'm very proud of that story. And, and uh, it's I think so that's... important. I mean, I think, uh, and it's a great note to end on. I, I, I... And I think it's a really important message for anyone out there who has who hasn't uh, done that kind of really risky startup thing. Uh, look for the ones where, yeah, the founding team. It's about it's something. It's 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 about something bigger than just the startup because they Correct. want to they want to make sure that the people that come out of it have moved forward. Correct. Um, Correct. We, we we do that even with hiring, right? Which is like you, you come in, your resume is going to be better at the end. I I, I now apply that kind of in reverse. Um, as, as a little bit of secret sauce, uh, mm-hmm. when you're looking to hire executives, hire people from failed startups. Nice. Yes. Because uh, they have they have learned in the fire. Correct. Um, Correct. And then they're hungry. And if yeah. They're, yeah, they're usually pretty hungry. <laughs> but yeah, they're hungry. But it, it just means that they they they've learned to live and deal with reality. And Correct. they Correct. are grown up and they're sort of yeah they're, they're, yeah they're sensible. Yeah. Um, they know it's yeah. possible, but they know it, it also isn't. Yes. Um, so it's funny. You're like, I, I, you know, I, 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 I've hired executives who have been almost too modest. They're kind, they're kind of worried because their startup didn't work out. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm hiring you because your startup didn't yeah. work. That's yeah. the yeah. reason you're here. Yeah, that's, right. Um, that's right. And that has never failed. Never. Yeah. Uh, people like that, that are absolutely golden. Agreed. Cool. Tarek, on, a, on such a high note, um, we have to say goodbye. <laughs> we are way over time budget. In any case. Well, this is Not for another 10 years again, Richard, okay? Yeah. Not another 10 years. <laughs> I know, I know. My bad, my bad. That's all good. Uh, I'm going to see, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk soon when you disrupt my randomly chosen insurance company. <laughs> That's right. Blue Cross will come in for you. <laughs> they are. Watch out. Uh, okay, Tarek, have a great time. And best of luck. You too. Thank you, Richard. Cheers. Bye. You can find the transcript of this podcast and any links mentioned on our podcast page at voxgeek.com slash podcast. Subscribe for weekly editions where we talk to the people who make the developer community work. For even more, read our newsletter. You can subscribe at voxgeek.com slash newsletter or follow our Twitter at voxgeek. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time.